Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Good. I'm glad you're here. Well, my name is Keith. Thank you for being with us today. If uh, we haven't met and uh, had the privilege this morning to preach, and I got to tell you, it has been a minute since I have preached, and I'm excited. The last time I was up here was Father's Day, and how many are grateful that we have such a dynamic preaching team at Blaze Church? Can you give it up for those guys, Josh, Joe, Amy, and Peter preached? And so I, I figured since I haven't spoken in about four weeks, um, I, I could just kind of take a shot and just preach on anything I wanted. So happy Sunday. I'm talking about money today, okay? So if it's your first time here, I promise we don't talk about money every week, but today we are talking about money um, because God has a whole lot to say about our finances. Um, and we are a radically generous church. Who's grateful for that? And God has a whole lot more to say than just giving. We're gonna look at four principles when it comes to our finances today. Um, so if you've never taken notes before today is your day turn to somebody say today is my day today is my day you are going to write some things down it's going to be a whole lot better if you do we're in a series called living the dream and uh throughout the month of july we've been looking at a man named joseph whose story we find in the first book of the bible the bible is not simply one book it is 66 different pieces of writing compiled for us and way at the beginning we discover a man named joseph really he's a teenager when we meet him 17 years old and we find that Joseph has been given a dream and we're learning about four qualities you and I need as we live the dream. Now, I wanna start here with a question to just probe you and get you thinking. This is about your life. Hopefully you have an answer, maybe not. What is the God-given dream you are looking for? What's the God-given dream that you are looking for? So I want you to get that in your head. It's not just American dream. We've talked about that. It's not self-created dream, but what is the dream God's size that you have that you're living for? Everybody can think of something? Maybe, maybe. Well, turn to somebody now just for 10 seconds and just tell them what your God-given dream is. Come on, just find somebody real quick. Just chatter. Just say, my, my dream is. And if you don't know, just say, I don't know. Go ahead, just, just, but tell somebody. Tell somebody something. All right, so... You told somebody, somebody shout out, what's your God-given dream? What's the category it's in? Anybody? Anybody have a dream? All right, well, then you're going to have a whole lot of fun today because you're going to discover what your dream is. We had in the first service, people talk about their finances, that they have a God-given dream for their finances to be free. God-given dream to own a home. God-given dream for a healthy marriage, for restored relationships. God-given dream. So here's why this matters. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. <laughs> where there is no vision, the people perish. Listen to me, lean in for a minute. You've gotta have a vision for your life or you are not living, you're perishing. Here's how the message translation puts it. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If you don't have eyes to see what God wants to do through your life, in your life, you are going to go through life stumbling. Now here's the beauty. This might be your takeaway from today's time. 
if you don't know what God's calling you to do, watch this, ask him. Ask just, God, would you give me a dream that's God-sized for my life? And your dream, inevitably, here's, here's the pieces. Your dream should cause others to know him, find their freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Like God can use you to be a difference maker in their lives. So here's what I know about your dream, even if you don't know what your dream is yet, or if your dream is different than your neighbor's. Every person's dream is going to require the same something. Now, this something makes a terrible master, but a beautiful servant. This same something is often something we blame. We say, well, if I had this something or if I had more of this something, my dreams would be coming true, but that's just not true. So the something is in fact money. Whatever your dream is, it will require some form of money. Relationally, buying a home. Hey, if you show up to a job interview, you should show up in clothes. That's just free advice there. Those clothes cost you something. Like you're gonna need finances to accomplish any God-given dream. So today I wanna show you through scripture and through the life of Joseph for what I'll call common sense principles. So today's message is called common sense, common sense, that we're gonna see God's word and how it influences our finances. So Joseph, he's 17 years old. And Joseph has a dream that one day he will rule over his brothers, his 10 older brothers and his one younger brother, his mother and his father. And he tells them about his dream and they mock him and they hate him for it. And Joseph's brothers decide we need to get rid of this dreamer. And so what they do is they sell him as a slave. And Joseph, this young kid, ends up in Egypt in a man's house. His name is Potiphar. Potiphar's wife likes Joseph a little too much. And she says, Joseph, come and sleep with me. Last week, we discovered that character is something that we need if we are to live out God dreams because there will always be a temptation to compromise your character as you live for the Lord. Joseph stood firm. In fact, he fled. He, he ran from Potiphar's wife and she holds onto his cloak and falsely accuses him of rape. And he gets thrown in prison. And while in prison, Joseph meets two people who will be influential in his life. How many love, when you look over your life, there are these milestone moments. There's someone you've met. There's an invitation you said yes to. There's an organization. There's a class you took. There's something that you say, wow, that influenced the rest of my life. For Joseph in prison, not exactly living the dream, there on false accusations, he meets two people, the cupbearer, and the baker. And he's in prison with them. And both of these men have a dream and they don't know what to do with the dream. So the cupbearer tells Joseph his dream. And Joseph goes, you know what? I think God's given me the gift of interpretation. I know what your dream means. In three days, say three days. In three days, you are gonna be restored. Pharaoh's gonna have a party and you're getting your job back. You're gonna be drinking again in the palace. Cupbearer's like, this is awesome. Can't wait. The baker has a dream as well. And the baker goes, if his dream was good, I'm gonna tell Joseph my dream. Joseph goes, oh, bro. In three days, Pharaoh's gonna have a party and you're gonna be the entertainment. He's gonna kill you in front of everybody. And sure enough, that comes true. The baker is impaled on a pole and the cupbearer is restored 
to his job. And Joseph makes one request of the cupbearer. He says in Genesis 40, verse 14, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in the dungeon. A fair request. I'm interpreting your dream. You're gonna get out. You're gonna be around Pharaoh. Come on, how many of you, you scratched someone's back, but they never scratched yours? Where did you go? Return the favor. And verse 23 says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. Say the last three words with me. He forgot him. I want you to understand that sometimes living the dream, there will be people in your life who will forget about you. That's just gonna happen. Now, what you do with that is up to you. And next week, we're gonna talk about a quality called compassion, how to not have bitterness well up in our hearts. Joseph here is forgotten about. He's left in the prison. Now, timeline. Joseph had the dream when he was 17 years old. It has now been 13 years. And he spent two years in prison. Most of the other years as a slave in Egypt. So what we read next is where we will be for some time. Genesis 41, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. I love the story of Joseph because it's not simply Joe who's having a dream, but the cupbearer and the baker, and now Pharaoh. Now, there's something you and I have got to understand about Pharaoh in order to understand what happens next. Pharaoh was seen as a God to the people. He was not simply a ruler or an authority or a king, but the people recognized him as a deity. They referenced him as God, as one who was an intermediary between the people and the gods. They would look to Pharaoh and say, well, you're a God, you, you provide to us, you have wisdom, you take care of us, you are God. So Pharaoh or God, little G, has a dream. He was standing by the Nile and when out of the river, there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. We're gonna call those cows Wagyu, come on. It's a good cut, it works. But after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. He's having his dream, seven Wagyu come up and then seven London broil, are you kidding me? I mean, you could work with it if you know how, but look at the Wagyu. And then it says, the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows and Pharaoh woke up. Have you ever had a dream before and you woke up and you didn't know, should I consider something or was that bad sushi? <laughs> like that was a little strange. That, that one didn't really make sense, but I don't know if I should be concerned. There was some real elements to that. So Pharaoh's, that's where he is. He's, he wakes up and the problem is Pharaoh goes back to sleep and has another dream and it's like it. Seven heads of grain come up on a stalk and then seven ugly heads of grain take over those. And it says the next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. And when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Don't forget who Pharaoh is to these people. He's God. But God is having a problem interpreting his own dream. 
So he calls his wise men. I read in one commentary, this would be so unusual for the Pharaoh to do. The wise men weren't for the Pharaoh because Pharaoh was God. So for him to even call wise men is like, but shouldn't you know? What do you mean you need us, the dream interpretation experts? But none of them, don't miss this, none of them with their worldly wisdom could figure out what was going on. They couldn't figure it out. So I love this verse. You know, the Bible's got some funny verses in it. it makes you laugh. This is one of the funny verses. Genesis 41, nine, the head cupbearer then spoke up and said to Pharaoh, I just now remembered something. I'm sorry. I should have told you this long ago. Yeah, dude, like two years ago. The cupbearer totally forgot about Joseph once he got his dream fulfilled. But now that dreams are being talked about, he remembers, oh, wait. And he tells Pharaoh there was this Hebrew slave in prison and he was able to interpret my dream. I think when he talked to Pharaoh, he'd probably try to be low key, just like, remember that time you were upset at me? It was no big deal, but you kind of threw me in prison. Well, this guy, he was there and he told me I'd get out and I did and I'm here and maybe he can help you. So Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Here's Joseph now about 30 years old, coming out of prison. And Pharaoh's calling for him, God, the ruler of the country. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, last week, Amy shared a lot about Pharaoh and tempta uh, Joseph and temptation and overcoming temptation and the temptations that we face when our character could be compromised, the temptation for power, sexual temptation, approval of others. Joseph is being set up right now to fall into the temptation of power and authority. Because look at what Pharaoh's saying. Like, I've heard of you. You have a reputation. You can interpret this dream for me, Joe. I've, I've heard things about you. What will Joseph say next will reveal his character. It says, the next verse, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. Now, I wonder how long he paused when he said, I cannot do it. I'm thinking if it was me, I would pause long enough to make the cupbearer very nervous. Like, I just put my neck out on the line for you, buddy. I gave you a, a recommendation. I, I can't do it. Sorry, you heard wrong. I, I can't do it. Notice what he says. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires but God. Do not forget the context of who is talking to who in this moment. A Hebrew slave who just got out of jail is talking to the ruler of Egypt who is seen as a God and says, I can't. Also, clearly you can't. Your wise men can't, but God can. What an opportunity to stand up for his faith. I wanna encourage you followers of Christ, especially if there's any the students in the room, lean in, stand up for Jesus in a way that is honoring to authorities and those around you. Scripture says in truth and in love, but you can stand up for what you know to be true because God has made you new. 
Joseph says, I can't do it. I'm not gonna take the bait. I will not fall into the trap that says power, authority, control, look at me. Instead, he says, God can do it. He tells God, little G, you need big G. You need God. God can do it. And then Joseph goes on and tells him what the dreams mean. And here's what it means. The seven Wagyu cows represent seven years of plenty, of harvest, of good crops, of produce. This is financial surplus because this society, economically, agriculture. They needed everything to be growing. And he says, for seven years, it's gonna be awesome. And then seven years of devastation, famine, ruin, economic collapse. He says, it's true because you had two dreams and God's given me the wisdom for it. And then Joseph says in 41 verse 33, he says, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man, put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one fifth. Everyone say one fifth. Of all the crops during the seven good years, have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Say this with me, store it away. Store it away. Guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. God's wisdom says, here's the interpretation of the dream and also here's the practical plan of action that we should implement. Pharaoh, you gotta find someone who can run this thing. You gotta set up supervisors. Seven years of good times, store up one fifth. We're gonna work hard at this and we're gonna have famine, but we're gonna be okay. And in his plan, four common sense principles we'll come back to, but I wanna show you what Pharaoh says because it's revolutionary. It's a crazy statement. Remember who it is, little G God. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? Look at what he says. In whom is the spirit of God? Pharaoh acknowledges that this Hebrew slave, this Jewish slave who has just got out of prison has the spirit of God at work in him. Are you kidding me? For Pharaoh to say that is crazy. Now, can we nerd out on the Bible for two minutes? Because this is really fun. We're Bible nerds. We're just going to lean in for a second. The rest of you, check Instagram. We'll be right back. <laughs> the first time Ruach, spirit, the spirit of God is mentioned is right in the beginning, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the spirit, the Ruach, hovered over the waters. We don't see the spirit mentioned again until this moment, 40 chapters later. What this moment is doing is it's drawing us back to the garden. As a Hebrew reader, you would know, okay, I've seen Ruach and now it's back. Let me go back to the first time. The first time in the garden was when people, Adam and Eve, were presented with a choice to wait on God for his wisdom or to reach out and grasp at the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And they rejected the Ruach of God and took wisdom into their own hands and death spread to everyone. Now what we're seeing is a group of people around Pharaoh, little G, are trying to use their own wisdom, 
but it is only the spirit of God at work in the life of his follower that is true wisdom produced. Maybe the reason why you and I keep running into walls in our life and living our dream is because we're not waiting on the spirit of God to give us wisdom and we're applying worldly wisdom instead. Just a thought. But I love that the Bible just tells its story through its language. So here is Joseph with the spirit of God. Okay, turn off Instagram. We're coming back to the story. Here we go. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. 13 years later, plenty of hardship. The dream's coming true. And now this 30-year-old has been put in charge of an entire people group. Larger than anything he probably could have imagined. I mean, he saw in his dream, his brothers and his family, but now here he is and Pharaoh says, it will be as if you're in charge. I'll still be Pharaoh. I hold on to the God card, but you're in charge. So Joseph is put in charge and the seven years of good times come and then seven years of plenty come. And it says in verse 57, and all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. All the world came to Joseph. They all came into Egypt. This impacted everybody. And Joseph was the one in charge of the seven years of surplus and the seven years of famine. So what does it mean for our lives? Means in order to live the dream, you and I have got to know how to manage the finances and the resources that come into our hands. And Joseph had four common sense principles. So here's where you're gonna take some notes. I would love for you to remember these. Here's the first one, work hard. Work hard. You know, it must have been so tempting during those seven years of surplus for everybody in the nation to say, man, we don't gotta do nothing. This grain is producing itself. The harvest is bountiful. Let's just treat ourselves. Let's put our feet up. Let's enjoy. This is awesome. But Joseph says, no, no, this is exactly the time to work hard. We know what's coming. We've gotta put in the hard work. I'm gonna read some Proverbs for these principles because Proverbs is a book of God's wisdom and of principles. And here's what Proverbs 14, 23 says. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. How many people know somebody that loves to talk about their next business idea? And this is the one that's gonna work. And you're like, but bro, you had the same enthusiasm for the last business idea. No, no, but this is it. I'm telling you, bro, you spent 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. No, this is the one. And it's talk because we push against work hard. Just go to work. In fact, I heard Dave Ramsey say this, a good place to go when you need money is work. I don't know what to do. I need money. Go to work. Go work. No, it doesn't fulfill me. I don't like, go to work. Figure out what fulfills you in the process because right now God has put this in your hand. And if you're faithful with a little, he'll trust you with more. Go to work. Can I be a little forward? Just a little bit. I mean, at this point, who cares? We're talking about money in church. So I might as well just put it all out there. Some of us listen to the YouTube influencer who's living in his parents' basement and you've never checked his history, but he told you to invest in Bitcoin. So I invest in Bitcoin. Just invest in this. I'll just do that. This is gonna be it. This is gonna work. And you know what the Bible says about that? This is God's word. 
Proverbs 13, 11, wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. And I, I could say this because I'm a millennial. So if anybody knows how not to work hard, here I am. All right. Our generation, we're just trying to figure out the least way to work. Go to work. Go to work. Hard work. Hard work. It's Bible. Here's the second principle. Save up. Save up. Uh, yesterday was our daughter's birthday. She's seven. She has to her name now over $100. She's rich. <laughs> My goodness, what she can do with over $100. And I asked her, she was open cards. I said, babe, what you gonna do first? Give first. What's next? Save What's next? Live on the rest. We've, we've been teaching them Financial Peace University Junior for years now. Give first, save, live on the rest. Save up, save up. Here's a good principle. Everything you have right now is not for right now. It's not all for right now. On 4th of July, um, my fridge went on holiday. It decided this is a day off. It's a holiday. And we knew it was kind of on the fritz and... Uh, we just kind of were babying it for a while, but we woke up and that thing was like, no, 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 the rest of the world's off, I'm off, I'm done. And you know what we did? Because we've gone through financial peace, we tapped into our emergency fund, it's one of the first baby steps, save up $1,000 emergency fund, and we found a new used fridge, because that's what we could do, and we went out and paid in cash for a new used fridge, and I was barbecuing wings by four o'clock. It was just, just got the fridge in, and then we replenished the emergency fund. And listen, that's not because we have a whole lot of money. It's because we're living out common sense principles with the money we have. Save up. During those seven years, it was, no, 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 don't eat all that. <laughs> One fifth's got to go in the storehouse. Yeah, but who cares? No, times are coming. You may not know when your fridge or your car or your air condition or whatever it is decides day off indefinitely. We're done. How much more peace of mind would you have to know I've saved up something? Start somewhere. In fact, here's what the proverb writer says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Now I know you didn't come to church to be called a sluggard. So I'm talking about the person sitting next to you, not you, don't worry. <laughs> Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways, be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You know what I think God was doing when he inspired that person to write? Even the tiniest of all creatures knows how to save up. Come on, even an ant doesn't have to be told what to do. It knows it's summer. Mr. Softy's coming. Them kids gonna be dropping sprinkles. Get that into the hive for fall. Get out there and work. Save it up so we can have something to eat in the winter. Say, if an ant can do it, save up, save up. It's not all for now. Here's the third common sense principle, give away, give away. I think we got to save up for a new projector. What do you guys think? That thing is just like, blah, 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 blah. check your email, how you can give this week for a new projector. <laughs> give away, <laughs> next, next principle. You know, what's so cool is Joseph, he was so smart and had so much that when all the world came to him, yes, we read that he sold, but we'll also read next week, he gave away. He was in a position where he could give. And God's word tells us so often that giving combats greed and consumption. 
being open-handed. That's why we say giving isn't a have to, it is a get to. We do it in a way that honors the Lord and it combats that mentality of it's my money, it belongs to me. No, no, no. Don't confuse management with ownership. You are a manager, not an owner of the Lord's resources. Here's what the proverb writer writes, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. That word first fruits is so important because that means the first, not the leftovers. You decide on the front end. If you wait till the end of the month to give, there will always be more month than money. Every time something will come up without fail. First fruits means you decide first. That's why for in our house, our, our children know, give first, save second, live on the rest. Give first. So one of the best definitions, we're gonna unpack this a lot in September. One of the best definitions I heard was by Pastor Andy Stanley on what generosity is. Here's how he coined what generosity is. It is the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of financial assets. And every word matters. Let me walk you through it. Premeditated. That means you predecided what you're going to give. It wasn't spontaneous and it wasn't in response to a moment. It was premeditated. You've been here before. You walk into 7-Eleven, get a Slurpee, Slim Jim, maybe a couple Airheads. You're trying to eat right. It's good times. <laughs> get it to the counter. It's been a long day. Throw in the checks mix. We're good. And then you see a little cup with a puppy on it. You're like, man, that puppy needs my money. So you give them a $5, they give you two dimes back and you feel real good because you put one dime in the cup because you don't know what's gonna happen. You might need the other dime. You're like, I responded really well. And you did, it was great. It was responsive giving. Premeditated might've been, you knew that puppy cup was gonna be there because you get your airheads every Monday. You go in with an extra $2 in your pocket and you say, I've already decided what I'm gonna put in that puppy cup. It's premeditated. You thought about it. You actually gave it some thought. It's calculated. That's the how much question that often comes up in church. How much should I give? How much? And we have principles in scripture. We have principles in this church that we live out, that we say, well, here's what we see, that there's patterns of giving. If you've heard the word tithe, that simply means the first 10%. But, but how much is you've got to calculate? That's why we say every week, ask the Lord what to give and do what he says. For some, you, you just got to decide. You're already tithing, but your tithe goes to Starbucks. Your tithe goes to PSEG. The first 10% is going somewhere. And it might be God says, trust me with 1%. Good, start there. Trust me with two. Some, you've trusted him with 10 and he's saying, trust me with 15. But it's calculated. You, you sat down and then you designated it. You know, it's going here. It's gonna serve this people. It's gonna go through this organization. It's gonna serve this people. It's designated. I've already thought about it. That's why you should never feel bad if you say, I, I, I can't give. If you've already decided where it's going, that's okay. But you've gotta be designated. You gotta say, well, I, I already put my money in this, in this direction through this organization. And then here's the biggest word, emancipation. When you live that out, you're actually free because your money no longer owns you. You've told it where it's going. Like you're free. Giving doesn't handcuff you. It actually frees you. It's a reminder that your financial assets belong to him. And it, there's so much joy in it. Oh, if I could just, just get you just thinking about this this week. There's so much joy when you do it this way. The opposite, oh, it is horrible. If you've been guilted in, scripture says if you've been given under compulsion, you've been told you have to. That's why early on in our church, we'll be eight years this October, we, we do not pass a plate. 
It's just a decision we made. We always want your giving to be predecided, designated. We want you to calculate it and say, man, there's joy in this. I'm worshiping cheerfully and willingly. Here's the last part. Live debt-free. Live debt-free. Now, this might be hard for us to imagine, but Joseph led Egypt and the world through financial crisis and didn't need to borrow money from nobody. And it's hard for us to understand that where we live because we currently have $32 trillion in our national debt load. And that is not a political statement. That is just a statement, okay? So if you got a problem, email joe at blazechurch.org. He will respond at some point. We, we, can't, we can't comprehend it. What do you mean you went through an economic crisis, didn't borrow money? They didn't. The world came to them. But you know what? It'd be a whole lot easier today to talk about our government leaders, but Jesus says, yank the plank before you go searching for sawdust. So let's talk about us for a second, the individuals that make up this country. I want to show you some statistics. Average American debt. Derek, let's see that slide there. The middle column is nationally America American debt, and then the third column is individuals, household. So if you're normal, that's all this means, okay? This is just if you're normal. If you're normal, any debt, $158,000 in a household. Credit card debt, what's normal is for a household to carry $14,000 in credit card debt. If you're normal, $787 billion in credit card debt. Student loans, $58,000 normal for a household. Where my people at that we just say, we're not normal. Come on. I wish I was normal in that category, right? Auto loans, $31,000 for a household. I was talking to a friend past two weeks, having car trouble, told me it might be a, a big expense to fix what's going on in the car. And I was kind of like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, you know, get it fixed or sell the car, get a different one. See, the problem is I owe over $20,000 on the car. I was like, oh, I forgot. That's normal. We stopped having car payments years ago. But it's just normal. It's okay to be normal. But God wants you to be kingdom. There's a healthier way. There's freedom. Mortgage loans, $202,000. Live debt-free. Our kids understand we don't have a credit card, we have a debit card. And sometimes it's annoying. Tried to rent a car not too long ago. The lady didn't believe me that I didn't have a credit card. She straight up said, yes, you do. I was like, you can check my wallet. I don't have a credit card. Put the hold in the bank account. I'll move the money over right now. Because I don't have a credit card. I have money. So there's just a, a better way. Here's why. Proverbs says this. The borrower is the slave of the lender. So when you go to use the credit card and it says master card on it, remember who's who in the relationship. The person on the other side of the card that was so kind, they promised you 0% for 18 months and they, they did all the math for you. So on the 19th month, a lot of interest kicked in because they were kind. They knew you wouldn't do the math. I'm just trying to get you to see something today. There's a better way. Work hard, save, give, live on the rest debt-free. And here's what we want to do as a church to help you. In October, when our small group semester starts, there will be financial peace small groups, multiple groups going. And if you've never been through financial peace, no matter what age or stage you are in, this is the group you will join because it will bring freedom to your life. 
You will learn how to make a budget. You will learn that your money isn't, your problem isn't a money problem, it's a money management problem. You'll learn how to do a whole lot with a whole little. And we'll scholarship you for that. Like we, we wanna empower everyone we can to be in financial peace. But today, I wanna give you something to get you started. So in the chair in front of you, would you take out your financial snap sheet card here, a little card, everyone should have one. If you don't have one, there's a chair around you that does take it from that chart, but everybody take it. Listen, take this card. You're not filling it out right now, okay? So now you're like, okay, fine, I'll grab it. You're not giving this to me. You're like, nah, dude, I've done this before. This is how I get signed up. I fell into a timeshare once like this. No, 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 this is not that. Take the card. You're not filling it out right now. You're taking it home. You're never showing your pastor this. This is not for me. It's for you. I wanna walk you through it. And thank you for being gracious today. I know, I know. if you think it was awkward for you to listen to this, I had to preach it twice, okay? <laughs> so show me some grace. Give me a high five when you leave. Don't want you, we don't want your money. This isn't, hopefully this is the first time maybe you've been in a church that talked about money and didn't say, now give money. I just want you to know what your money's doing. So that's what this is about. I want you to go home today because it's fresh. Take however long you need and fill it out, monthly income, and put it there. How much money do you make a month? If you don't know that, that is problem number one. You should know how much you make because you can't tell your money where to go if you don't know how much you're making. You'll learn about that in financial peace. People often ask, is it net or gross? I don't care and I don't think Jesus does. Just put a number down. Whatever is gonna help you. Because that's the next question. Should I tithe on my net or my gross? I don't care and I don't know if Jesus does. Just start giving. Okay, don't get caught. Just, just move a little bit but put down what you need to know of how much you make. How much do you give a month? And listen, if it's zero, write it. That's okay. Start, then you get to see it. How much are you saving a month? These are the three categories, saving, giving, living on the rest. Put it down. What's your total debt? That's everything. Credit cards, the house, the student loans, the dog. If you're making payments on your dog, get rid of the dog. <laughs> please, and then get rid of the payments. My goodness, some of you are still paying off Disney from five years ago. No, you shouldn't be going this year then. Okay, but put that there, total debt. Get it all on, and then total savings. How much money do you have to your name? If your fridge blows up, can you take care of it? Without a credit card? Make it a goal. And start putting away a dollar a week. It doesn't matter. 50 cents in a jar a week. Start getting this filled out. And I want you to just keep this somewhere you can see it. Next month, we're gonna talk a little bit more. And October, we're gonna have financial peace small groups. And here's why, because if you have a dream, it's gonna take money. We have a dream as a church to exist in this community in a permanent fashion. Could you imagine being in a building where the screen doesn't flash because it's a portable cable, right? You've been there. Well, we have a dream as a church to say, man, what if there was a landmark in our community that when people drove by it, they said, I wanna know what that building's all about. Oh, it's about a Jesus who came to save people. And you're gonna be invited to be a part of that and it will take financial resources. So be ready. This is just, just be ready. God's given you a dream to see a group of people impacted. Maybe it's single moms. It's a certain group of people. It's, it's those who are incarcerated. It's the homeless population. God's gonna call you to do some big things. Be ready with what's in your hands. Say, man, I, I can do something because I've been giving already and saving and living debt-free. I'm ready. Be ready. 
what we're gonna do now to close is we're gonna celebrate communion because I just want us to know wholeheartedly our salvation cannot be purchased by money. It was only purchased by Jesus on our behalf. So you could have the best financial principles, biblical wisdom, but you cannot buy your way into heaven. No, you cannot be good enough to earn salvation. It is only an act of his grace. So in a moment, we're gonna receive communion together. We're gonna celebrate at the Lord's table. Take that card with you when you leave. But for now, I want us to pray and then I'll give you some instruction on communion. So would you bow your heads? Father, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you that you care so much about us. You say, here's some principles, here's wisdom. You gave Joseph the wisdom he needed through your spirit so that he could lead people in a financially healthy way. And I pray that for Blaze Church. I pray that we would have so many resources in this church that we are able to overflow onto other organizations and churches. I believe that when the day comes to establish this landmark, like Moses had to say to the people of Israel, tell them you brought too much. God, may that be our story. I pray for the person right now who's hearing all this and just saying, but I I just don't know where to start. Give them your wisdom this week, God. May they work hard with what you've provided to them. If there's people here who need a job, God, would you give them that job? And would they be willing to take it? Say, this is the job I have now. Those that are struggling with saving up, that are spending so much, lead them, Lord. Those that are struggling to give, that feel like they're, they can't trust anyone or anything with their money, God, stir their hearts towards generosity. Those that are in debt, I pray that there would be a spirit of freedom and a tenacity and intensity to get out of debt. May our church be filled with people who have common sense. In Jesus' name, amen.